Well, good morning again. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, we are going to continue uh, week two of our vision series, our vision checkup that we uh, started last week. We looked at our vision as a whole, as a church, and where we believe the Lord is, is leading us as his people, uh, specifically our target date in terms of our goals and who we believe God wants us to be is 2025. And so that's, that's the ministry plan that we're working with and working towards. It's towards that year, uh, striving to become a church who makes disciples, who worship with authenticity, walk in community and witness as we go. And so we broke that down uh, last week. Well, this week we are looking at our core values and so you can see the cards in your seat there. Uh, we're looking at our core values. Today we're going to cover the first two, and then next week we're going to cover the, the last three of those five. But before we dig in today, uh, let me pray for us and ask the Lord to truly bless his word as we look to him today. Lord Jesus, we love you and, and we thank you again for allowing us to be here to worship you. Lord, I pray that you would give us focus and, and help us to truly realize your greatness, Lord, as we talk about the priorities of your church, the body, the family, the building of God. Lord, I pray that we would take this seriously and understand how important it is for us to have a healthy culture because we are your body. So give us wisdom as we talk about these things today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, when I was in college and seminary, uh, I had a few different part-time jobs along the way, and uh, so that included, you know, a couple of restaurants, and I worked at a rental car company as well, the one that picks you up. I was the guy that came and picked you up. Um, well, honestly, those three jobs in particular, I didn't love. Uh, the work environments weren't really that great. And uh, the people I worked with, to be honest, I didn't really click with as well. And, and it was just kind of a weird environment. And, and I didn't love the, the culture of those places. But then uh, when I was in seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, I worked at the Apple store. <coughs> That's the computer, not the fruit, um, in the mall. And it was just a part-time job. But man, that company is ran so well. And if many of you are familiar with Apple products, you know they're absolutely the best, right? So the Samsung, right? No offense to anybody. Uh, <laughs> you know where my allegiance lies. I was, I was indoctrinated when I worked there. Um, but it's great. And, and the company was just ran so well. And, you know, their values, they, they really live out their values, the way they structured their leadership from the top down. Uh, the management was just so wonderful. And I really learned a lot about uh, leadership and things like that when I worked there. Well, you know, for you, you you've, we've all had different kinds of jobs along the way, part-time, maybe full-time, and, and maybe some of those jobs you really love the environment. You love the people you worked with, and, and you love uh, the vision of the company, and it was very clear, and it was great. And then for some of us, maybe it's a little bit more like the TV show The Office, right? There's really no vision, there's really no structure, pretty much anything goes, and maybe you hated the people you worked with, right? Maybe you hated your work environment, and not because the systems were bad and the company didn't have maybe some good goals and even, even a good strategic vision and plan, but, but maybe the people, right, that you worked with, you know, next the cubicle next to you, you just didn't want to be next to that guy, right? He, he talked 
funny, he smelled funny, and everything was just weird, right? And, and we all have these experiences, good, bad, positive, negative, or past jobs. We all have stories, right? We've all seen what it looks like for a bad culture to play out in an organization. There's a professional football team in Jacksonville where that's happened recently, right? Okay, so the church is no different. The church is no different in terms of needing a healthy culture to thrive. So when I, when I say healthy culture, what, what do we mean? We mean healthy attitudes, healthy behavior, healthy teamwork. A church is just like those other organizations in the sense that if the people are not living in healthy relationships and work relationships in those teamwork kind of mindset and ways, the organization as a self will not thrive. Even if you have the best plan in the world. Because we, as a church though, we are very different, right? So in some ways those principles carry over from the corporate world, but it's really not the same though. Because we, as the body of Christ, right? We are united. We are united together in real spiritual fellowship in Christ Jesus, right? There is a real bond, a real connectedness that we share in and through Jesus. You see, the apostle Paul refers to the church as a body, that's one of the words he uses to describe the church, the people of God, a body, the body of Jesus Christ. So that's an interesting metaphor, right? In other words, what Paul is saying when he uses that metaphor is that we are all connected together, making up as different parts, one whole, one body. So he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you look on the screen with me, and we're going to kind of be in various scriptures today, not one particular passage, uh, but we'll, you can read along on the screen. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 25 through 27, Paul said this. He continues his sentence saying that there may be no division in the body, speaking of the church, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So in other words, what Paul is saying there is what, what one of us does or does not do will affect someone else in this body because we're connected, we're united spiritually. Now that's an interesting concept because we like to think that our actions don't affect anyone else, right? The way we live and what we do and the sinful patterns that develop in our lifestyle, we like to think that that is a private issue and it doesn't affect anyone else. But Paul says otherwise. Paul is saying that we are united in a spiritual bond by the blood of Christ. We have been purchased by Jesus, right? So we are all part then of this unified body. So your involvement in the church, great or small, good or bad, spiritually, that affects the rest of us. It really does. 
Paul says we all suffer together and we all rejoice together. It's kind of weighty, right? It's kind of a heavy topic to think about. The responsibility that is put on each of us as, as members of the body of Christ. That, that each of our individual attitudes and behavior have a real spiritual effect on one another. It's kind of a big, that's kind of a big deal. Now listen, nobody's nerfing, right? Nobody's perfect. So that didn't go over like I thought it would. Um, <laughs> we are all sinful people trying to come together to do what? To worship, to walk, to witness. We're all striving for this goal that we talked about last week, but we're all sinful people, right? I mean, can we just admit that, right? I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're not even a millionth. We're, we're just nowhere near it, right? We are infinitely bad to our core, but we are also completely redeemed and saved by Jesus Christ. And so he's redeeming us, right? He is making us what was broken. He's making whole. That's what salvation is. It's taking a broken life, a life separated from God through the blood and sacrifice of Jesus paying for our sins, right? He paid the price of your sin on the cross and purchases you with his blood. And so now through the process of the Holy Spirit indwelling you and, and sanctification, the Bible calls it, Jesus, God is, is sanctifying us as we move towards eternity. He is making us more like himself, right? But here's the thing, until that process is over when you die or when Christ returns, right? Until that process is over, while we are still here on earth, we are going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes, absolutely, big time. But isn't that all the more reason then that we do need to take this truth seriously about being one united body? that we are all connected as one in Christ, that we share in his blessings together as his people in this local church, so that, when, a, that one, when one of us actually does stumble, when one of us does make a serious mistake, guess what? There's a brother or sister in Christ beside you to hold your hand, to pick you up, to lift you up, and help you, out, help you along the way. So that means that when you commit to the church, Right? When you commit to really being involved in, in a serious, not just church attender, like we talked about last week, you know, but, but being really seriously committed and, and joining and becoming a member of this church, when you commit to that, I'll be honest with you, there's a great risk-reward. There really is. In, in other words, if we are divided and not unified as a church body in our pursuit of Christ, look, this could all go south really quickly. This could all go bad really fast, right? It's happened before. Churches have split over silly things, right? Arguments start and, and people start bickering about stuff. And the next thing you know it, there's a mass exodus and everybody's leaving. And why are they leaving? And then there's rumors and it's all just silliness. It happens. But even though we're sinful, even though we make mistakes, even though some of us are just going to be hard to deal with sometimes, right? When we are all striving together, right? Even in our ugliness, unified, when we're rowing in the same direction, when we're pursuing Christ together, 
the potential for what God can do, not what we can do, but what God can do in us and through us is out the roof. Listen to this beautiful articulation of a church unified in pursuing Christ together. I read this last week in Ephesians 4, but I want to read it again because it's so good. It's so good. And, And up until this point, if there was just a heartbeat of Kernan Church scripturally, I would say, man, let it be this. Let it be Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Here it is. And he gave Jesus... He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Stop right there. So notice, we're all childlike in many ways, right? We all have insecurities. We all have deficiencies. We all have issues that we're working through. We all have sinful tendencies. We all have sinful patterns. We all are imperfect. We all make mistakes, but... Paul is speaking of a church that is locked arm in arm, standing on the root of the gospel, striving for Christ-likeness together. We're growing up. We're maturing as time goes on. And listen to what he says. Verse 15, instead of being tossed around by the world's influence and human cunning and crafty schemes and deceitful doctrine, rather, verse 15 Speaking the truth in love. The truth that we all need to hear that sometimes hurts us, offends us, and steps on our toes. We speak it, but it's in love. He says we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. See, we're not trying to mold ourselves into some kind of, ooh, look at this cool church. No, we're trying to look to Christ. We want to be molded and shaped into who he is so that when people see us, they don't even really think about us. They think about him. Verse 16, from Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. That's you, that's me, we're the joints. When each part is working properly, in other words, not perfectly, but properly, striving. There may be some aches and pains in these joints, but we are still yet moving in the same direction as one united body. What happens? Paul says, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What a wonderful anthem for this church. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. So in your seat, or the one next to you, you should have a found a card that, that looks like this. If you didn't, it's possible that you're sitting on it. All right? <clears throat> so last week, we talked about our vision. That was on the other, this side, right, with the chart, okay? So the chart's on one side. This is what we covered last week. And how 
the vision we believe God has given us is carried out through the various ministries here at Kernan and how you can help in our effort to make disciples. Now, I'll say this, if you're a member here at Kernan and, and you missed last week, please go online to our website or our podcast uh, and listen to last week's sermon. That's, that's going to be very pivotal for you as your involvement increases in the, in the life of the church. But this diagram is very important, okay? And it represents our strategic plan for how we believe God is calling us to do ministry here at Kernan uh, through the year or until the year 2025. But, but this ministry plan means nothing. We can toss this in the trash. This ministry plan means nothing if the culture of our church is unhealthy or dysfunctional. Now, for the record, I don't believe it is. And I do want to say that. I think we have a healthy church. I do. Now, we're just like any other church. We got our fair share of issues and problems. Absolutely. But overall, I think, yes, we're functioning well. We're a healthy church. But that's not because of anything anybody's done. That's because of God's faithfulness in spite of our weaknesses. But just like a bad work environment, if we have the wrong attitudes... If we have unhealthy behavior, if we have poor teamwork, we might as well just go home right now. There's no sense in us being here because that is not godly. That's not Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 that we just read. You see, our aim, it's not just to come up with a good plan and say, hey, look at this great plan we came up with for ministry. No, our aim, our goal is to pursue that ideal picture, that painting of a church that we just read in Ephesians 4, to be a church that is equipped to do ministry with a great plan, yeah, absolutely, but to do so in a way that works in a healthy manner, joined together in Christ so that the body builds itself up in love. And that is what the other side of the card is for. The other side of the card are the five core values that we adopted two years ago along with this vision and ministry plan. And those are gonna be what I like to say, what I like to call the guardrails. Those are going to be the guardrails that keep us on the road, that keep us unified and motivated to work together as a whole. Now, I just, I'm proud of this. I'm, I'm a minivan dad, okay? I'm a minivan dad. Never thought I would be, but I'm not going to lie to you. That thing is awesome. I'll drive it the rest of my life. I'm totally cool with that, okay? Y'all can judge me all you want. All you dads with the cool trucks, okay? <laughs> Not bitter. Um, <laughs> but let me just tell you how cool it is, okay? It, it has this thing called a lane-keeping assist system, all right? Now, unfortunately, I've experienced that. <laughs> and what happens is when, when I start to veer off just a little, into the next lane, what happens? It gives me a little nudge, right? It just nudges me over. It, the steering wheel moves, right? And I feel it and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm getting off the path here. Need to keep my eyes on the road and stop looking at all the fair and Pharaoh billboards, right? I gotta watch where I'm going here or I'm gonna have to call them. <laughs> so whatever reason, if I start to venture over, I'm corrected, I'm, I'm brought, the, the attention is brought to me that I need to, to move over a little bit. See, that's what these core values are for. That's what these core values are for. If we start to venture off a little bit, maybe something out there in the world captures our attention. 
Maybe something out there, uh, some doctrine that you've heard that you're a little skeptical about, but you really start diving into it and you start maybe believing it a little bit and it's not really biblical and, you're, and, you're, and it's divisive. See, anything that takes our eyes off the path we believe God has given us, these core values, their purpose are to serve as the guardrails that, hey, give us a little nudge and remind us to get back on track and to see the real point of where we're going. That's what these core values are for. These core values are right here on the screen for you. So we keep the gospel first, number one. We want to know what the Bible says and means. We pray frequently and specifically. We serve the needs of others before our own. And we believe membership is essential to one's commitment to the church. So I want us to walk through the first two of these today. We're going to do the next three next week. I want us to take our time because we can really have, I want us to have a really good understanding of how important each of these are in pursuing the vision that we talked about last week. So number one, here at Kernan Church, you know what we want to do? We want to keep the gospel first. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 5. Listen how the Apostle Paul said it. For I delivered to you as of first importance, not second, not third, the most important thing Paul delivered, the first thing. What I also received, this is what he delivered to them, this message that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve. So, what Paul just said briefly, in that quick summarizing way, we call the gospel message, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us. What has he done? Jesus saw that we were separated from God, right? And in the eternal plan of God the Father, which we can't even fathom and comprehend, Jesus came to earth. He humbled himself. He gave up the riches of heaven, came to earth as one of us so that he could live the life we could never live, fully God and fully man. He lived the life that we could never live, a perfect life, so that he could be a perfect sacrifice and truly die the death that you and I should die for our sins. He substituted himself. He died in your place. It was me, it was you that should have been on the cross for our rebellion against our own creator. Jesus stepped in front. He said, I'll take that payment. He said, I'll make that payment. I'll take that penalty. I'll die for him. I'll die for her. But he's God. And so death couldn't hold him down. The payment had been completed. And so he rose from the grave three days later. He rose from the grave and he's alive today. And that means that if you turn away from trying to save yourself, if you turn away from trying to rescue yourself from your own insecurities and your own problems and your own sin, 
If you turn away from that and turn away from your sin and trust Jesus Christ to be everything you could never be, to be your savior, to stand in your place, that is salvation. And you inherit new life forever. You will live in eternity with God forever. Your grave will split wide open one day and you will be made whole and new and complete again before God and live with him forever. You will be raised to eternal life because Jesus was raised and you are united with him through his blood. And guess what? As the church, we are united together because of that same blood. That's the gospel message. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 is of first importance. It's the most important thing. There is nothing else that trumps what we just articulated. It is nothing. There is nothing more important than the gospel of Jesus Christ and who he is. Paul says it's of first importance. Now that's not to say, that's not to say that there aren't other important things to talk about from time to time in church. Absolutely, sure. In fact, Paul spent most of 1 Corinthians talking about a whole bunch of issues that they needed to straighten out. That church had a lot of problems. But above all those things, above all the other important things we need to talk about, at the top of the priority list is the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is supremely vital to our souls and eternity. It affects every soul and has that eternal impact. Truly, nothing is more important in the world. But we humans are really good at misprioritizing things, aren't we? You see, we, we tend to give too much attention sometimes to insignificant things and not enough attention to really important things. We all struggle with that, don't we? Well, as a church, we have to guard against this. And so we have a tool we use here at Kernan to, to help us with this called the theological pyramid, or you could call it a theological triage. Now, just for the record, uh, I didn't invent this, okay? I think, it was, I think it was my seminary president who came up with this, but it's, it's really useful, and, and so we talk a, lot, uh, talk a lot about it, especially in our, our new members class, Discover Kernan. We go through this, we talk about it, and so those of you who've gone through that class, you, you know this, right? And that and you're probably like, oh goodness, here, we, here he goes again, right? But it's so important, and, and it really is useful. So look at, look at this on the screen with me, all right? So you have three levels here in this pyramid, okay? So at the top, right, the first level are issues essential to the Christian faith. In other words, these are things that you need to believe to be a Christian, right? Not, not necessarily a particular denomination or a member of a certain church or anything. No, 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 no. Just to call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you need to believe these things. I'm not saying you need to understand them completely. We can't. But you need to believe them in your heart and trust, right? So number one is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, his perfect life, atoning death, and the reality of his resurrection. Salvation by grace through faith in Christ. What he has done, not what you can do to try to earn God's love and approval, but what he has already done for you to earn God's love and approval, right? That's number one. That's at the top of this pyramid. It's essential to the Christian faith, the gospel. Now also, I would put in that top category, the Trinity. Now we can't understand the Trinity, that God is one in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there is one God. 
We, we can't fully comprehend that, but we trust and we believe that doctrine that we see in the scriptures. Uh, another one up there would be the authority of the Bible. That the Bible is God's spoken word. We're going to talk more about that uh, in our next core value. So moving on from that. But those things are on the first level that you would need to, arti- need to, to believe in your heart to even be a follower of Jesus, right? Now, the second level are issues that differ between Christian denominations, right? So, so Kernan Church, we are a Southern Baptist church. That's our doctrine, right? Uh, you can drive down the road and you may see a Lutheran church. You may see a Methodist church. You may see a Presbyterian church, right? You're going to see all kinds of, of categories of denominations attached to church names, right? And so the reason for that is are these second level things, Right? These second level things are what uh, organizes us and divides us as denominations. So that could include things like modes of baptism, uh, how a church governs itself, who can be an, or- an ordained pastor. Right? These are issues that, that make us distinctly uh, Southern Baptist. Now on the third level, you'll have differences of opinion within the same local church. And this is really what I want to talk about. Okay? These are issues where it's okay if we don't all agree. We can still come and worship together and be members of the same church, Kernan Church, and not agree on all of these things on the bottom of that pyramid, because guess what? They're on the bottom for a reason. The most important thing is the gospel. And then there's some other important things on the second level, absolutely. But these third level issues are just, you know what, hey, If we don't see eye to eye, it's okay. We can still love one another. We can still serve together in the church, right? But the funny thing is, these are the topics that people love to talk about the most, (laughs) typically, right? Typically, we, we, we tend to be very passionate about things that are interesting or controversial, and so these topics may hold our attention sometimes more than topics in level one or level two. So that's a misprioritized on our part, right? So I'll just give you some real quick examples, okay? Uh, The end times. Okay, so the end times would be on the third level. Now, let me be clear. The fact that Jesus will return one day and his people will live with him in eternity, that's a first level issue. Yes, we believe Jesus is going to return. The details as to how that's going to happen and when that's going to happen is a third level issue, okay? Uh, the meaning of some of the texts in Scripture that are very difficult to understand. Some of those are third-level issues. Uh, what style of music you think we should sing at church? If we asked everybody in here their opinion, you're going to get however many different people in here opinions, okay? Can't make everybody happy, right? So the style of music, that's just one of those issues. We're going to have to agree to, to love each other anyways. Uh, whether or not you should vote Republican or Democrat, whether or not you should drink alcohol or not, whether or not you should homeschool your kids or not. You see what I'm getting at? These are all issues that at the end of the day, we can say, you know what? We can go to the same church and we can love each other and we can serve one another and we can seek to make disciples of Jesus Christ and lay those things aside. Amen? You see, believe it or not, these are the kind of issues that churches have split over in the past. And if we're not careful, putting the spotlight on those things instead of the main thing will lead us down that path. So we must be careful and wise in our conversation. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, Paul says this. He says, 
I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Okay, well, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, we already read how to do that in 1 Corinthians 15, by keeping what Paul called of first importance, actually of first importance. The gospel is powerful. You see, if we neglect the gospel or if we put something else above it, we're going to get distracted. We're going to veer off the road. We're going to miss out on some of the transforming power that it brings unto salvation, on the transforming power it brings. We're going to miss out, right? If we're distracted, that's what Satan wants. He wants us to have lots of third-level conversations and hardly ever talk about who we're sharing Jesus with or who we're trying to get to know better so that we can share Jesus with them or who we're discipling or what we're studying about in God's Word. No, 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 no. Satan wants us to talk about all the other little things on the third bottom level. We've got to prioritize our conversation because the gospel is so powerful. Romans 1, 16a, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is what? The power, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. There's a lot of important things to talk about, absolutely. But in every vehicle of ministry at this church, from the youngest to the oldest, may we never care more than anything, about anything, than standing on the power of Jesus Christ in his gospel message. So we keep the gospel first. Number two, we want to know what the Bible says and means. This is our second core value. We want to know what the Bible says and means. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And look at that. That powerful word of God is not only powerful, it's powerful because it's practical, right? Did you see that? It it trains us in righteousness. So as we progress through life, we are willing then to learn and study about different things because we see the payoff, right? the value in learning those things. So, for example, if you understand the payoff is really great for something, you're going to work really hard to learn it. So, driving a car, right? When you're a teenager, you're driving, you're willing to take the time to learn how to drive because it's going to get you where you need to go, aka wherever your parents are not, right? That's where you're trying to go. Then, let's say if you, if you go to college, uh, maybe you'll, you'll declare a certain major, And so what do you do? You study really hard at that particular field of study because your your hope is to get a job in that field. Or when you do get a job, whatever job you may have, right? You work really hard, hopefully, and you abide by the rules and maybe you even study on how to improve your skills and sharpen your skills at that job in hopes of the payoff is, right? Getting a promotion, perhaps, right? Or maybe even just certain hobbies or interests that you have, sports or music, etc. To What's the payoff? Well, just to enjoy, to enjoy those things and to be creative with the skills that God has given you. So my point is, we are all willing 
we're all more than willing and ready to dedicate time and study into some kind of trade or sharpening a skill or increasing our knowledge as long as we see the benefit. As long as we truly believe that we're going to benefit from investing our time into studying this or sharpening this skill or or increasing our knowledge or whatever it may be, then we're willing to dedicate that time and study and that effort. The problem with many Christians today is that they don't see the benefit in studying and learning the Bible. But maybe that's because we don't stop and think about what the Bible actually is. It's God's Word. But just think about that. The words of the creator of the universe. I mean, he could have created this world and just stat- he could have just stepped away and just let it be. And never have given us a revelation of who he is, of himself. But he didn't do that. He created this world and he got closer to it. He didn't step away. He revealed himself through his written word so that we could know what he is like. So that we could know that there is hope for our souls. That even though our sin has separated us from having a relationship with our creator, that through Jesus Christ and his redemptive mission, that we can know our God, the God of all things. We can know him and trust him and believe him and have a relationship with him forever. God revealed himself greatly, or or mostly through Jesus Christ. Jesus is God, the Son of God in the Holy Trinity, coming to earth, fully God and fully man. That is the greatest, he is the greatest revelation of, of God. But God also reveals himself through his written word, the Bible. And so it's amazing that God wants to know us. It's even more amazing that he has put forth the effort to know us and to reveal himself to us. Therefore, since This is directly from God himself. These words are from God himself. They are powerful. And they can truly change your heart. They can change your life. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this. Listen to the power of the word of God, the Bible. For the word of God, the Bible that you have, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What other book can do that? I mean, if you go to Barnes & Noble and check out the self-help section, you are not going to find, I mean, there's some great stuff, but you're not going to find something that digs into the deep recesses of your soul and reads you. The Bible, you don't just read the Bible, the Bible reads you. And it it has the ability through the Holy Spirit of God working in your heart to truly digest these truths into your heart and your mind and change you, your character, your behavior, the way you live. And yet we take this for granted. We, We drift through life with all kinds of emotional and relational and spiritual problems and we turn to all other kinds of resources and everything else in this world, addiction, books, uh, other kinds of philosophies and, and things that we tinker with, we turn to so many other things looking for ways to alleviate the pain and the suffering in our own heads except the Word of God. 
except the one place God himself has given us for peace and direction and stability and security, for real transformation. Now, we believe that here at Kernan. May we be a church that never loses sight of that. In a world desperate for truth, we can't afford not to know what the Bible says and means. And yes, we're intentional with the wording there. We don't want to just know what it says on the surface. We want to study the Bible, the God of Word here at this church, the Word of God here at this church, and, and deeply discover what it means, not just what it says, but what it means for our lives so that it can take root and grow. So I hope you see the importance of these first two core values today. God has given us a great path to follow here at Kernan, and if we obey his word and, and truly seek with humility and in unity, if we truly seek to follow him, he will lead us where he wants us to be as his body. Maybe some of you are here today and you're not sure if you are on the path of Christ. Maybe you're not sure that you're even on the right road, eternally speaking. And I want you to know today that God is a God of 180s. That God wants you, he wants you. And you've been running away for a long time and maybe you think he's very angry at you. And I want you to know that he's not happy with your sin but if you repent of it and you truly cast it aside and turn away from it and you turn around and look at Jesus Christ and in humility you bow before him and say, I need you, Lord Jesus, to be my savior. I got news for you. God absolutely will forgive you no matter what you've done, no matter how far you think you've gone. His arms are open wide. He will embrace you and he will make you forever his. And then you can begin this journey of keeping the gospel first in your life, of studying the Bible, getting to know the scriptures yourself and seeing the impact that it has truly on your heart, how life transform, transforming it really is. But it starts with humbling yourself and laying down your pride and just admitting that you don't have all the answers and that's okay and turning to Christ as your savior. Maybe some of you are here today and you wanna join this journey, specifically that we're on here at Kernan Church by joining this church. And I'd say we'd love to have you. We'd love to, to welcome you onto the team, so to speak, to, to be a part of this body. We have a process for that because we do take it seriously. This is the body of Jesus. We don't, we want to take it seriously. Amen. We're united by his blood. And so the first step for you is to sign up for our discover Kernan class this later this spring. You can do that today. We've got a sign up sheet right out there in the lobby on the info desk. You just walk up and sign up, put your name and number. We'll contact you when the class is officially scheduled. We'd love to have you.
Maybe that's the next step. Whatever the step is, don't leave here today without taking it. Whether it be to Christ for that initial step of salvation or maybe into this church, whatever it may be. Maybe it's a step you need to take towards a spouse or towards a loved one whom there's conflict with and you need to resolve that and you need to be forgiving to them as God has forgiven you. Maybe you need to, in humility, admit you're wrong and admit that you haven't kept the gospel first in your marriage or in whatever relationship or or friendship you have. Maybe by not keeping the gospel at the center, other things have crept in and caused division and strife. Maybe you need to make a commitment. It's still early in the year, right? Maybe you need to make a commitment to really get serious about knowing what the Bible says and means in 2022. May we all be people here today who are serious about that next step, whatever it is. So I think the best thing we can do before Kyle closes us out with a song is to ask the Lord to help us get moving, to follow him, to walk towards him together in unity, taking these next steps. Would you pray with me? Let's ask the Lord to do that. Jesus, we love you and we are so grateful that you humbled yourself and you came to earth, Lord, to die for us in our place because you love us. Lord, we search for so many ways in this world to try to be loved. Lord, we all want to be loved and accepted. We all want to be highly regarded. But Lord, we misprioritize our lives. And we look for so many other ways to validate ourselves, to give ourselves a sense of hope and a sense of security. And Lord, not all of those ways are necessarily bad or evil or wicked, but they're just not of first importance. So Jesus, I pray that we would be a people united together who truly, who truly find our identity and our security and our, all the love and hope and acceptance and approval we could ever imagine in your gospel, in you, Jesus Christ, knowing that what you have already done is enough for us. So Jesus, I pray that we would not leave here today without declaring in our own hearts that we need to be a people who keeps you first, truly. It's not just a catchy phrase, Lord, but really to keep you first. And as a church, to keep the gospel first and center so that we can be a united body who makes disciples for your glory. Lord, help us to take the next step towards you and towards one another by your power. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Let's stand. Let's close with a song. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Praise the Spirit. 
so much for worshiping with us today. Have a great week.